Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse on an early morning. Gus and I have a big day today. We've got a private clinic starting here in about an hour and a half or so. So we're getting stuff around and getting horses saddled and getting ready to go to work. We just finished up our November mentorship week and it was just yeah i tell you what it was just an awesome week we had two really really talented trainers here holly longest from virginia matt roach from texas both at different stages of building their business and their careers which makes it which really makes it beneficial and makes it interesting to see the different stages where people are at and, and, you know, places where you can help them because of previous experiences you've had. All of you have experiences that can help others at the stage of their life they're in. As long as, you know, as long as you use, here's, here's the big key for me on that is what I try to do is use my negative experiences or my failures or, you know, the times that I feel like I did not succeed, I look back and and ask myself why and I look at what I could have done different and, and really and truly, that's the whole basis or that's the whole core of everything I do in my program now is is sharing with others what really what works for me because of what didn't work for me. (laughs) And, and, you know, because, you know, I don't, I I know somebody that uh, if somebody hadn't listened to my podcast and maybe they knew me growing up or knew me when I was in junior high or high school, or maybe even college, they'd say, man, that, you know, that guy didn't have that figured out. Any of that stuff figured out. Then if they said that they'd be right. I mean, you know, just let's face it. I thought I was young and smart and really I was young and inexperienced. It's been a lot of fun doing the mentorship programs because not only do we really dig in on the horsemanship side, but we really dig in on the business model side and, and taking, I think it's really, I tell you what's really important is to understand to maximize and utilize the resources you have. Do the best you can with what you got. Sometimes I think we get to looking at, well, I don't have this kind of a place or I don't have this or I don't have that. You know, and I and and through my career I think I spent well, I know I did. I spent too much time at times thinking about what I didn't have, wishing I would have had something other than I did have. Now, at the same time, 
I say that, and and I started out basically with a round pin. I mean, I never, you know, I we never at my at my mom and dad's place in Williston, North Dakota, where I grew up. I mean, we never had an arena. I never I never had an arena all through high school and college of my own to practice in. I I never had my own arena until Bridget and I were married and bought our first place here in in Weatherford, Oklahoma. And it was 10 acres in a trailer house and I give $27,000 for it. And that was in probably 1988 probably something like that. I can't remember exactly. That tells you starting out what, what I had for facilities. And, and I, for a good bit there, I didn't even have a barn. I just, I just had six outside runs that I made with, uh, uh, hog panels. I had a panel on each end. They were, I remember it vividly cause I, I dug every post hole and set every post. And there was a panel on each end, a 12 foot panel on each end. And then there, I think those hog panels are 16 feet. So I'm pretty sure I made those runs 32 foot. And, you know, we had one hydrant on the place. There were some friends of ours that had some, I had a place where I could put an arena, but some dirt needed leveled. And I had a friend of mine that helped with that. And, you know, anyway, I got an arena put up and, you know, I was, I was in business. You know, I, my pens were full and we had one little trap we could kick our other horses out in. So, you know, looking back, it's like now, and, and I think too, when people come to my place, I think they're, they're probably surprised that it's not, my place is real well kept. We work hard at keeping things clean and kept up, but it is by no means a show place. I mean, everything that's been built here has been supported by the by by the horse industry by my training business and so you know you only have so much money to spend as you build but at the same time there are certain things that if they are severely limiting your you growing your business you have to look at investing in that over a period and and spread it out over a period of time you always have to remember you know just like you're with your real estate I mean, because I've, I've got my real estate broker's license and I've dabbled in real estate a little bit. Any improvement you put on real estate that's not a pink elephant out there, you'll, you'll, you'll get that return at some point, either in appreciation and value or in, in, in net value if you sell your place. So, you, you know, a lot of times I think we, you know, sometimes the business model in the facilities Sometimes we let that limit us and limit our growth. And then on the other side, sometimes when you have an awesome facility, sometimes I think you need to take a step back and say, okay, how can I really utilize this to generate more revenue? Because there's a lot of you out there that are listening that with the places you currently have, that place could be paying for part of itself, if not all of it. There are a lot of different ways in this industry to generate revenue through a facility. 
And sometimes I think we get so laser focused on, oh, all I can do is train horses and, and, and that's it. Well, that's always going to be a big part of it. But through the years, I've done a number of different things with my facility that have helped generate revenue to help pay bills, pay for itself, pay for expansion. And I think you always have to be looking at that. And, and it's always good to diversify. You know, it's always good to diversify. I mean, it, it goes back to that simple concept of years ago, which, you know, the the average millionaire, this was from years ago now with the way, I mean, there's tons of millionaires out there. But years ago, that used to be a big deal. Well, the average millionaire would have seven or eight income streams. Some of them would be, you know, just tricklers and some of them would be gushers, but they, they would nurture all of them because they're, they're all feeding the same pot. Well, sometimes I think we really need to, on the business side of it, we need to look at that. And also on the training side of it, there are so many, there are so many opportunities to diversify and going back to facilities, you know, understanding the different things that you can do with your facilities, just like with, I was taught with Matt Roach last week, really, really got a, Matt has a really, really good way with a horse. He's got a really calm demeanor. He really sets a horse good, has great, you know, a lot of horsemanship skills. And, you know, in, in the area where he lives, he can be very diverse as far as trail horses, performance horses, event type horses. Just like I was talking about, oh, I know where I was going with that. I was talking about my myself expanding. You know, last last week I I did a advanced horsemanship slash reined cow horse clinic with Jess Morgan. Jess is a great friend of mine and just a a great horseman and a great person. Jess has put in a ton of time, worked his butt off. I mean, he is really, really good with a horse. Well, it's like for me at that clinic, I, that is not my genre. That's not my discipline. The reined cow horse, great discipline. I mean, I just love watching the reiners and the cow horses, but you know, for me, there were a lot of things when Jess was working his horse on the demonstrating on the flag and teaching. And when we were working on a cow and taking a cow down the fence and positioning and, and, you know, talking about stops and turns and getting your horse ready to stop, getting your horse ready to turn, you know, it's all the same stuff. I mean, whether you were at a reined cow horse clinic, advanced horsemanship slash reined cow horse clinic, a roping clinic or a barrel clinic, everything there applied. You know, it's the same thing expanding to different disciplines. What you find out is it all goes back to horsemanship. And that's the first thing Jess and I talked about when we were putting that clinic together, because that was the first one we'd done together. He said, you know, it just, you know, if they can't do it on the flag or a cow, it just goes back to basic horsemanship, you know, which, which was a great tie in. That was a great clinic. And I'm going to talk more about that clinic in another episode, but, you know, getting back to the mentorship week, I come back from 
Missouri late that night and we started first thing Monday morning and it starts snowing. We got five inches of snow Monday, big wet flakes. And, uh, you know, my wife was like, oh my God, you know, what are you going to do? I said, well, I guess we're going to find out how bad we want to train horses. <laughs> and, and so we did. And, and, you know, but it wasn't super cold. It was really a pretty snow and we needed it. We needed the moisture. Of course, it was a, it was a sloppy mess the rest of the week, but we had the riding barn and thankfully my ground's really good. So after the, after the first day, really into the middle of the second day, we were outside in the riding area. There were parts of it that were plenty dry enough to ride in wet on top, but the footing was good. And when you get that one-on-one time with a small select group like that, I just feel like there's there's no way that can't take you to another level or help you to figure out, you know what, I'm, I'm at a good place. And, and this just confirms that I know what I'm doing. I mean, I know I went to a clinic back in the early 90s, uh, one of the, you know, one of the kind of the elite clinicians at that time. And I left there thinking, shoot. I'm doing good. I got, I, I'm, I'm on a good path. I've, it just, and I don't get me wrong. I learned some things, but I figured out I, I had more going for me than what I was giving myself credit for. And I think, I think there's always a level of that too, because, you know, we talked every morning, we did something on personal development, whether it was talking about goal setting, self-image, self-talk, you know, understanding your business model, where, where you're at right now and where you're going. And that applies to, that applies to everything we do in life. I mean, number one in this business, you, you have to know your numbers. You, you have to understand what your costs are, what your expenses are. You have to put a value on your time, your facilities, your feed, you know, your, your equipment that you're wearing out. I mean, when, when I go to replace a tractor, a four-wheeler, or a gator, nobody's standing, my, my customers aren't sending me a percentage of that to help pay for it. You know, and we use those items every day, right? So you have to, and, and sometimes when you do that, it's, it's depressing because you look at it and you go, okay, this, I'm, I'm the captain of a sinking ship and, and uh, I don't even know it. Well, what that helps you do is be more realistic about your business and it forces you to put more value on what you do and what you provide because we all undervalue ourselves. You know, I've, I've talked about this before and it bears repeating because it just keeps coming up. I mean, you have to understand in, in your business, whatever your business is, whatever your life is, whatever your facilities are, whatever, whatever you're doing, I mean, what you're making versus what you're spending has there, that can't be equal and it definitely can't be in the red. Now I've lived there, believe me. I've been in the 
I've been where it just broke even. I've been where it it was in the red. And, and, you know, there's probably a time in there where you have to kind of live there. I mean, when you're building a business, I mean, you know, industry statistics show that it takes three to five years to build a business. I'll be honest with you. You read that and it says that and, and I may just be repeating something that somebody else repeated. I mean, I don't know if that's, that's true or how they, what they base that off of, but it does sound logical. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I created that, that industry statistic because I did not, but it does sound logical. So, you know, there's going to be a time in there. You got to figure out what you got to do to make it work and get to where you want to go. And that's why I say be diverse, you know, be diverse, think outside the box, understand that there are other ways that you can make money off of your skills, whether it be through, through instruction, through a trade that you learn, you know, I'm an equine dentist. I've done that for, Ah, 16, 17 years, I don't do as much as I used to. I, I used to mainly work for one vet clinic where I did 200 to 300 horses a year. There's been some years I did more than that there. But because of the requirements, state requirements, I always worked through that vet. Well, that was a trade that I learned Number one, out of necessity, because I figured out real quick how valuable that was to my training business, because I, I didn't ride a horse unless their mouth was right. I got to where I didn't ride a horse unless their mouth was right. If somebody brought their horse and didn't want to do their teeth, I didn't take their horse because you're working against something that you can't fix. When a horse's teeth are bad, you know, out of balance, sharp. Everything I ask a horse to do, the signal comes, you know, not everything, but a lot of what you ask a horse to do comes through a signal that you send through their mouth. If every time you send that signal, it causes a reactive response due to pain and discomfort, you're, you're fighting a battle you ain't going to win. You know, so that was one of the things I learned. Also, you know, there's, there's so many things I'm going to use. Um, Holly, Holly Longest was one of the other trainers here for for the mentorship. And Holly has done, I think, three clinics with me. She's had me. She's been to two in Lumberton, North Carolina, and then then we we did a clinic at her facility, which she has got an awesome facility. Facility, the Jet and Buy Farm in Quinton, Virginia unbelievable rehab facility just an awesome facility you know holly is a very skilled and talented trainer she has worked really 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 hard at developing her skills and has a really nice set of horses and and you know holly's facility you know she has she has that rehab facility with it and she's basically because she's she Holly's like the energizer bunny. I mean, she's a goer. She's a hard worker and she's great attitude every day and you know, just the person kind of person you want to be around every day. I mean, just 
wonderful, just a wonderful person. Well, she's Holly's got a rehab facility and she's training customer horses and she's training her own horses, you know, and like for her, it's figuring out on the, on the utilization of her facilities, how she can continue to grow those services and yet still have a life of her own and have some time at the end of the day and not be war smooth out because you know like i've always talked about i mean you got to understand at the end of the day you know we all just have 24 hours in the day and every time you say yes to something else it's just like with her when i was you know with her customer horses every time she says yes to another customer horse she she's saying no to time on her personal horses just because you're going to run out of day. And so you have to be, you have to find that balance and you have to find that happy medium. And then you have to find out what you can and can't delegate, you know, and that goes into, and all these topics that we're talking about, we, we went into a lot of depth on them, but I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of throwing some ideas out there because coming up, in this first quarter of this next year, we, we've got an online course coming out that is going to combine my training program and, and its journey and the journey of our marketing program. So, so Stacy and I are going to combine our two programs and put a template out there for people to use to help elevate their situation to a whole nother level because this is something that is in our industry i i just feel like it's so needed and don't get me wrong i'm not saying i got it all figured out because every day i'm still trying to figure everything out but i do have you know i've survived in a business that is competitive that is challenging, that is ultra, ultra rewarding with the horses and the customers. And I've done that. I've survived because I've evolved. I've changed. I haven't been stuck in a rut all the time. There are times I did get stuck in a rut and I did not evolve during those times. But here again, you know, I learned from those and, and, you know, I think just like this last week with Holly and Matt here, definitely, definitely, I think they went home with some tools in their toolbox to take their horsemanship to another level. But whether it's with personal horses, customer horses, or their own personal businesses, I really think they went home with tools also that they're going to be able to apply in their everyday lives, their everyday business. And in whatever they do in the horse industry, um, as far as their involvement and their growth, which I know they're both going to really grow in that industry because they've got exactly what it takes. I mean, they've got knowledge, they've got experience, they've got, they've got motivation, they've got discipline, they've got ethics. 
they're both honest, good people. And you know what? When you have those attributes, and I hope when they're listening, they write all those down, because you need to remind yourself of those assets that you have. Because a lot of those assets I just listed, a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. And you know what? There's there's so many good people in this industry. And, and you know, you need to, if you're looking for somebody in this industry to do business with, you need to take that list with you. And, and when you go meet with them, you need to check those off. You know, you can tell immediately how someone's going to take care of your horse to me when you drive in their place and see how they take care of their own stuff. If they don't take care of something that they own, why would they take care of something that they don't own? You know, that's a simple one. That's a simple one for me. So, you know, just little things like that. I just wanted to share some of that with you and, and encourage you, encourage you to, you know, those people that, that, you know, can help you in the situation you're in, use them. They can help you make that next step. They can help you get to that next level. I mean, make that, make that one of your goals for this year. Make that one of your goals for this year. I, I just think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you tremendously and it's going to grow our industry. One last thing I want to say real quick before I get off here. This last weekend, we got to go to this George Strait concert down in Fort Worth and in the middle of the concert, George gave away a home. Him and his, in a bank he partners with, gave away a home to for one of the Wounded Warrior projects. And during that time, the whole crowd broke out into a chant of USA. And I tell you what, I was sitting there listening to that. And I thought, you know, this is why we love the Western industry. I mean, it was just a bunch of, you know, people that love the Western way of life. I'm telling you, we got the best deal going. Keep building it. Keep sharing it. And just keep doing what you're doing. Have a great week of training, everybody. God bless. And as always, today and every day, let's be our best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.